I guarantee whatever you're feeling right now, others are probably feeling it too. Here's a few tips to focus your energy on. Firstly, make a realistic plan. Using your best estimates, try and write a plan for the next 12 months. Include a section that's called what if and list as many scenarios that you might face in the coming months that might happen and what you might do about them. Secondly, start talking to experts now for assistance and support. Check in with your accountant, talk to your bookkeeper, talk to a business coach or seek out a mentor. I know it's cliched, but we really are all in this together. And thirdly, access the, th the free support services that are available. Check out My Business Health on the ASB FEO website. Check the dedicated COVID-19 support resources that are available on the Beyond Blue site. And check out the Victorian Small Business Commission guide to developing your own personal mental health strategic plan. Plan as much as you can so that you feel as prepared as you possibly can be. Even in these unknown times, just do your best. Hello and welcome to the Small Business First podcast. I'm Lucy Kippist, the editor of Flying Solo. Leanne Faulkner was the wise voice you heard ahead of our intro music. She's the founder of Fortitude at Work and a small business mental health advocate. There's never been a more important time to talk about our collective mental health. Research released last week by MYOB revealed 70% of our small business community are facing COVID-induced mental health challenges. Later this episode, I'll be joined by psychologist Mike Hines, who developed the Smiling Mind app. It's a mindfulness meditation program designed to help small business owners manage their stress and well-being. Before we head to that interview, I'm joined by Sess Busby, the editor of Koshi's Business Builders, for a small business news wrap of the week. Welcome, Sess. Hey, Lucy. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Now let's um, get quickly into the news of the week with the first and foremost being obviously the JobKeeper extension. Yes. Yeah, so um, there was lots of talk about small business going to fall off uh, an economic cliff come September when all of that uh, COVID relief packages were set to end. And I think someone in the government must have been listening for a change. So on Tuesday, the PM announced that the government would be extending JobKeeper and the JobSeeker coronavirus supplement uh, for another six months. And from that, they've committed to... Uh, it's not exactly the same scheme as it, as it was before. It's slightly changed. There's no longer the flat $1,500 payment that there was for everybody. They've scaled it back a bit and it's become a two-tiered system. Mm -hmm. So from September, payments will reduce to $1,200 a fortnight for full-time staff and then $750 a fortnight for people that are working under 20 hours a week. And then in January, they plan to scale it back further to $1,000 a fortnight and six fifty a fortnight for those that are working part-time. Um, and I think to date, they've, they've already paid out $30 billion in support to almost a million, I think 960000 but let's, let's um, add it up further, like bump it up to businesses since they launched the scheme. So that's pretty massive that there's that level of support from the government. 
So the other thing is the coronavirus supplement, which was that additional payment that they were giving to um, job seekers on top of what was the, the new start payment that's been relabeled job seeker. Um, they were getting $500 a fortnight. The government's going to continue. That was set to cut off. The government's going to continue to pay it. Uh, but it's not going to be $500 anymore. It'll be $250. But then to kind of temper that change, they've also increased the amount of money that people can earn to $300 a fortnight before they get any kind of penalty of money reduced from their payments. So that's kind of, they're going, oh, try and get a bit of part-time work to level up that money that you're not getting from the extra COVID support. Um, yeah. the, the other financial incentive we probably need to talk about is that um, the low interest rate loans. So the changes to that that, that are continuing. Yes, yeah, so the government's extended the range of its um, unsecured loan scheme. Uh, they kicked them off to kind of help stimulate the economy and make sure that businesses could keep going through the, the coronavirus crisis. And the new phase of that set to roll out in October. And what they've said is they were, they've upped their ante on it. So it was businesses could apply for up to 250000 for an unsecured loan and now they've, they've really upped that. It's $1 million now that businesses can apply for and they're hoping that um, previously it was just for, you know, everyday expenses, helping you pay your wages or helping you with rent or, you know, whatever you needed to kind of get you through. But now they hope by raising that to $1 million that businesses will start to think about how they can take advantage of that to actually equip their business to maybe pivot or adapt to a post-COVID world. So they're, they're encouraging like businesses to look at it as a way to innovate during this crisis. Um, so that's a really good thing. And then as, on top of that, um, the ATO wants to remind everyone that the small businesses that employ staff are eligible for that um, cash flow boost. So make sure to get their monthly or quarterly activity statements in because they'll get um, refunds back of up to 100% of the tax that they've withheld on salary and wages. Mm. So that's something that they should all think about doing. Don't waste their time getting their, their best statements in. <laughs> Definitely. So like three things there, really crucial to, to have a read of. And obviously you've got articles outlining all that on KBB this yep. week and we'll yep, for sure. SPF as well. Um, the last piece of news that is a little bit lighter yep. is pretty <laughs> extraordinary stat from Hootsuite this week. Do you want to share that one with us? It's a drum roll for you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, they've said that there are now more than half the people on earth using social media, which yeah. is pretty phenomenal. So that means 3.96 billion people are using social media today. Wow. That's like 51% of the Earth's population. That um, is just an extraordinary number, isn't it? But kind of begs the question, should we be? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know, it does. I mean, like how many hours are we all spending on there? It's quite mm -hmm. crazy. And the amount of data that will be um, 
going through those social media channels, the amount of information that advertisers will know about us by the end of this is going to be phenomenal. Absolutely. You can just imagine Facebook headquarters rubbing their hands with glee at the moment with those numbers. <laughs> yeah. Um, they said that so in the past 12 months, more than a million people use social media for the first time every day. Um, before that, they were just sporadic users and that there's 376 million new users since July. So just this month. <laughs> and 12, 12 new users a second. A second. But yeah. I guess when you look at it in the context of what's happened to the whole world in the past four to five mm. months, I mean, it is one of the best ways to stay connected. So not to encourage all of our addictions to our social media <laughs> accounts, except for our small business first Instagram and Facebook, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's an extraordinary number, just mind blowing. Sess, thank you for joining us and we'll talk to you again next week. Cool. Thanks, Lucy. Okay. Welcome to the Small Business First podcast, Mike. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Mental health is such a terrifically important discussion to have in our community pretty much all the time, but absolutely at the moment during COVID. So it's really fantastic to have you and your expertise on the podcast today. From what I've read of your research, I understand that in terms of mental health and small business community at the moment, we're dealing with two main factors. One, that around 50% of our community are experiencing some form of mental health condition at the moment. And two, that 72% of us within that group actually refuse to get any help for that. So I wanted to start with the first statistic around how common the experience of mental health conditions are. Do you think there's one factor that contributes to these um, experiences of stress for small business owners? Um, like, is it the responsibility, having to be across so many aspects of management and production, or is it something that comes from the cumulative experience of running your own business? Yeah, so I don't think there's one universal factor. I think it's going to vary um, from individual to individual. When we think about factors that contribute to someone's stress levels, we need to look at a couple of things. One is, I guess, the work-related factors. Um, so some of the things you're suggesting there, you know, the many hats that small business owners have to wear. Um, the demanding nature of, of the work often, it might be financial challenges, it might be, you know, interpersonal human re resource related. But also, we also need to factor in the individual factors uh, to us. Um, you know, we're all different and, you know, we all have different levels of, I guess, emotional resilience um, as individuals and also other things in terms of what else is happening in our lives at the time. So it's not always just the work stuff that sort of um, sort of leads us into that sort of stress zone. Um, you know, the quality of our, our personal relationships, the challenges we might have juggling work um, and family demands. Um, but as you, as you suggested, it is often cumulative. So persistent, a lot of us are sort of existing in persistent low-grade stress. Mm. Um, over time, if sustained over time, can get to a point where someone feels pretty overwhelmed. Yeah, and I mean, absolutely. I think that, you know, we hear from our community on a daily basis about those experiences. And I wonder, you know, what do you think sets us as a community apart in, in terms of our experience of mental health from people who have employers? Do you think it's 
our perceived lack of support given we're running things on our own mm -hmm. or is it the relentless nature of the job? Yeah, I mean, it could be both those things. Again, I think it's probably going to vary a little bit from person to person, but, you know, some of the some of the themes, that, you know, what I think some of the common themes are, uh, you know, running your own business often means long hours um, and also undertaking business related activities after hours, you know, so there's not such a clear, clearly marked on and off switch for, you know, that there might be for someone that's in a salaried role where they sort of clock off at the end of the day and can go home and sort of put it to one side. Yeah. You know, often some business owners are, are still, you know, report feeling like they're working on it 24-7. It's certainly occupying their thoughts most of the time. Um, it can be quite isolating work as well. There's often not quite the same level of connection and that, that has, can have a really big impact on our well-being. There's all the multiple hats, you know, that I mentioned earlier that small business owners have to wear, um, you know, financial stress, cash flow challenges. And, and also I think a much greater feeling of responsibility for the business's success um, or failure um, that can weigh pretty heavily um, on a small business owner that's often not associated um, with a role where you're where you're the employee. Yeah, and I think um, not unusually for life, but I think it's mm. those things that first attract us to running our own business. So the independence, yeah. the flexibility, the fact we can work from home, those 100%. factors can come yeah. and feel quite negative when the stress levels are going up as well. I mean, I certainly know from the conversations that people are having at the moment about working from home as a result of COVID. Mm. So many people have noticed that, yes, there's a lot to love about working from home, but also, mm. as you say, there's no d delineation between home life and work life. So it's so much easier yeah. to just keep working when yeah. ordinarily we would have just gone home. Yeah. And I, I, the only other thing I would add is I think, um, there's so much more uncertainty, I think, attached um, to running your own business as opposed, I know certainly no role, you know, even a salaried role, you know, job security and job certainty isn't, you know, is certainly not guaranteed in any industry. But I think, you know, inherent in running a small business, um, yeah, is far more fluctuation and probably unpredictability that you, that, you know, is not experienced by people that are more in a steady perhaps a slightly more steady salaried role where they, they know that, you know, that their income is going to hit the bank account, you know, for X number of dollars every two weeks or every four weeks. Mm, yes. Um, now I wanted to talk about probably what I consider to be the more alarming part of your research. So we've, we've acknowledged that these are where we're at in terms of our stress and these are mm. possibly the contributing factors, mm. but it showed that 72% of the small business community don't actually seek help um, when, mm. they're, when they're suffering from these feelings. Uh, mm. We ran a really intensive survey earlier this year on Flying Solo that mm. looked into the wellness of, of small business owners as well. And one of the biggest um, results of that survey was the fact that many of our communities said that it was actually their partners, so their spouses, um, mm. who they're most likely to turn to ahead of a counsellor or a psychologist when they're feeling stressed. Do you yeah. have any, any insight into why that is? And I, I mean, my first thought is that cost perhaps contributes, particularly at the moment in terms of COVID, mm. but do you think there's another reason for that? Yeah, I think, you know, this is a big issue um, in the community generally and certainly something as a psychologist, you know, I'm acutely um, aware of that, 
you know, people generally will be reluctant to seek help, unfortunately. And I think that's because there's still, sadly, some stigma attached to mental health challenges. You know, people aren't, still aren't as comfortable as ideally they would like them to be in terms of speaking out and putting their hand up and saying, I'm not, I'm not traveling too well. Um, so I think that that just leads generally to people avoiding, you know, until it's sort of the last, sort of the last option um, to, you know, to reach out and contact a psychologist. I'm surprised uh, in private practice how many people arrive to the first session almost embarrassed um, that they're there, um, you know, and, you know, obviously we get them to talk about what's happening for them and eventually they get more comfortable and open up, but there's often a real discomfort um, for a lot of people to, yeah, to be open about, you know, their, their mental health and how they're, how they're traveling. So I think that leads to, you know, people looking for other options as opposed to seeing a, um, going down a more formal uh, road in terms of seeing a psychologist. I'll often speak to a partner or a friend, which, which can still be helpful and it's better than someone uh, saying nothing and, and bottling up completely. Yeah. At least a partner, for example, you know, may be able to support and encourage um, their partner to seek, um, you know, more structured assistance if they think it's needed. Definitely. Um, obviously, the past three or four months now that we've been experiencing COVID and the challenges on on small business are not insignificant. Mm. Do you think we can assume at this point then that if we started out with a 50% hit rate in terms of mental health mm. concerns that now they'll actually have been worsened? Yeah, I, I think I think for sure, you know, I think the, the, the additional strain and stress, especially on small business as a result of COVID, um, you know, is significant and we're gonna see, you know, we're certainly seeing an increase um, in the incidence of mental health challenges. Um, I guess the question will be, you know, will people be more likely to reach out perhaps at this time? My, my sense is that uh, COVID may provide a, a socially acceptable um, reason or rationale for, for putting your hand up. I think, you know, we're all acutely aware of how difficult this experience has been and, and continues to be. So I've, my sense is that it may actually see more people willing to, to put their hand up for help, given that as a, as a broader society, we, we see COVID as a, you know, I guess a really valid reason to be struggling and, and often people need that to want to put their hand up. Yes, that's very true. It's sort of encouraged um, uh, an attitude of transparency in lots of areas mm. of life, hasn't it? It's encouraged us to look at things differently. So yeah. I suppose the real good news in, in this discussion is that you have, in, in, in partnership with MYOB, developed mm. a mindfulness meditation program to address all of these challenges, specifically for our small business community. So it's called Smiling Mind. Um, I was hoping you could take us through, you know, what, what's covered in the program and how it works. Yeah, so, so yeah, so this is it's a program that Smiling Minds developed. For those that don't know Smiling Mind, you know, we're a free mindfulness meditation app. Um, we've been around for about eight years. Um, you know, we've done fairly well. We've got about five million um, downloads to the app now. So we're certainly, it's certainly fairly well established. Um, I work at Smiling Mind as a 
content development manager and this is one of the projects that I've worked on over the last six months building out content um, for the small business community. So I guess the way I approach this work is that, you know, when we're functioning well, there's, we generally have a sense of, of calm and clarity about us, which puts us in a good space, you know, for example, to run, run our business. So the small business program is really designed to support um, psychological well-being, the psychological well-being of small business owners um, specifically. Not that it wouldn't be useful for someone else, but we've really tried to to make it targeted to the the challenges and the needs of small business owners, some of which we spoke about earlier. And it's all underpinned by mindfulness meditation. So the program consists of um, a hemp. I think it's four modules from memory. There's two two separate meditations under each one. Um, and, and meditation, mindfulness meditation specifically, is a whole lot of research that shows that it can be helpful in two ways. So one is it can assist people in navigating really difficult, challenging times and even helping people recover from an existing mental health challenge. But importantly, it, it also acts as a really great proactive preventative tool for looking after our mental health. So, you know, if you think about exercise, we often talk about mindfulness meditation as being synonymous with exercise for our mind. Just like we don't just exercise when we become unwell, we more do it to buffer us against the likelihood of illness. Meditation is something we can do to buffer ourselves against stress and, you know, that feeling of overwhelm and the likelihood that we're going to end up um, with some sort of more significant mental health challenge. Mm. And is it, um, given that it's an app, it's obviously something we can dip into daily? It is, yeah. So there's, you know, there's a small business program. And as I said, there's, there's, there's four different sections to that. There's the mindfulness foundations is, is what it kicks off, which will give people that are new to meditation the basics to sort of get orientated to this, you know, to this work that we can do on ourselves. Um, you know, there's a module specifically around stress management. There's a module around relationships, um, interpersonal relationships, be that in our personal lives, juggling sort of home and work demands. And also the last modules around resilience. So there's a couple of practices or meditations in there specifically to help um, cultivate the qualities um, that are essential to, to sort of be resilient and effective, um, even in the face of these challenges that, we, that we're all navigating. But yeah, to answer your question, there's, there's, all, there's those specific meditations uh, housed within this small business program within the app, but the, the broader app um, has got a whole lot of other meditations that people would be obviously welcome to explore. That's great. And we'd encourage everyone to go and have a look at that today. Um, before we um, finish things off, Mike, I, I just wondered what your advice would be to any small businesses in our community who are mm. listening right now and who have already identified and know that they're struggling a little bit with stress. What, what would your advice be to them at this point? Yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, uh, as I would say to any of my individual clients at this time, you know, the phrase go gently comes to mind as much as possible, um, particularly on ourselves. So we're often our own sort of harshest critic. Um, but, it, you know, having if you think about working for a critical boss, um, it's not particularly motivating, but we're often our own um, critical boss. So we want to ideally connect um, as much as possible more with our inner mentor than our inner critic where possible. 
and you know self-compassion is something that I speak to a lot of a lot of people about in my work um, it can be really difficult we, we're quite good at being compassionate to others mm. when they're struggling but the idea of being kind um, and compassionate to ourselves is not something that always comes as naturally so really trying to you know cut ourselves a little bit of slack and and doing the things that are going to be nurturing and that are going to support us through this time um, rather than sort of beating ourselves up about the fact that we mightn't be functioning as well as we'd ultimately want to be. Definitely great advice there. And, and then what would you suggest to, you know, partners or family members or friends who might be observing changes in their business owning mm. loved ones? How yeah. would they, what's your advice to them about approaching this conversation in terms of what they might be concerned about? Yeah, so you mean in terms of how they can support their partner that might be struggling or even for themselves? Yeah, I think, I think my, well, I mean, both ideally, yeah, mm. if you've got something to share for, with both of those things. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of supporting a partner that may be running a small business and, you know, they can, they, they've identified that their partner's struggling, I think it's all the usual stuff that we all, you know, to come back to in any relationship when, when someone's struggling, whatever the cause of that is, which is, you know, to be as supportive and compassionate as possible, um, to be able to listen. Um, I know there's sort of relationship basics, but not always jumping to, you know, solution mode. Often, often people just want to be heard and understood um, and to feel like their partner you know, is is there for them and is supportive of them and understanding of the challenges as opposed to, yeah, getting caught up, you know, I guess as a partner that mightn't be running the business, the, the risk is you get caught up in the same stress and anxiety and that can sort of spiral into just sort of feeding off one another and creating, you know, a bigger problem um, as opposed to just trying to be as, as supportive and nurturing as possible rather than trying to solve the problem uh, yeah. for someone. Definitely, definitely great advice. Mike, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Are you able to direct us to the best place to find the Smiling, um, the Smiling Mind program? Obviously, we can go yeah. to the app store or download the app. Um, yeah, our website as well. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, get into the app store if you haven't already got the app. Um, you'll find if you just search Smiling Mind, it'll come up. Um, within the app itself, you know, it's, fairly, it's a free app. Um, which is great, unlike a lot of the other sort of major mindfulness meditation apps out there. You just need to register with an email and a password. But once you're in, um, if you just go to the adult program, you'll you'll see a whole list of different programs. And in there, you'll find the small business program that we've um, created for Myob. Um, there's also the Smiling Mind website that's got a whole lot of other resources um, that people might find useful as well. Okay. That's terrific. Um, thank you so much for, for joining us and sharing your expertise. No worries, you're welcome. Thank you.